0: everyone, this is Dan, your host of Rockin' All Week With You, the Happy Days Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3, or Episode Was It 11, depending upon how you're looking at it. In this episode, we are going to discuss ROTC, which originally aired October 8th, 1974, and then Haunted, which aired October 29th, several weeks later, 1974. And we are... I guess I don't have anything to say right now. Let's dive right in. Here we go. R O T C. already gave the date on ROTC it's written by Mickey Rose directed by Jerry Paris that's an interesting mix there because Jerry Paris of course directed almost every episode of Happy Days he also directed the second and third Police Academy movies and Mickey Rose I know best for co-writing Take the Money and Run and Bananas and also being involved in the writing of What's Up Tiger Lily uh having said that uh, the thing Mickey Rose is most involved with that i watch the most is student bodies one of the early 80s it's sort of the trifecta of slasher parodies and I know what you're saying Dan I've seen slashers and they're they're pretty much parodies of themselves already I know that but there were still slasher parodies airplane style slasher parodies and I am forgetting National Lampoon's Clash Reunion which yeah it's written by John Hughes yeah it's National Lampoon a few years after Animal House yeah it should have been great it ain't it's really tough to watch Although maybe I'll watch it again uh, in a week and, and love it. But but the the trifecta is Student Bodies, Pandemonium, and Wacko. And um, I think I like them in that order. I love Student Bodies. I really enjoy Pandemonium, and Wacko's a lot of fun. Wacko's out in a nice Vinegar Syndrome blue. Pandemonium, a.k.a. Thursday the 12th, you're only going to find on VHS. Student Bodies, I have on two Blu-rays. I forget who released the first one. But Olive Films released the second one and it looks fantastic. Student Bodies, which is ostensibly written, directed by Mickey Rose, is 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 my favorite of the three simply because it really doesn't have anyone in it who you recognize from anything else, and it looks like an early eighties slasher. Whereas Pandemonium and Wacko kind of look like kind of Mel Brooksy, Zucker Abram Zucker type things from the time student bodies looks like a slasher and features people you've never seen before or since before or since is that right yeah so so and and that's the way a lot of slashers are you may occasionally see someone in a slasher filming like oh my gosh that person went on there oh cutting class oh brad pitt you know that kind of thing kevin bacon friday the 13th but most of the time you're watching people i mean apart from seeing jamie lee curtis pop up and stuff like that most of the time you're watching actors where you're either like, oh, I sell them on a soap, or you never see them again. So that's why Student Bodies is my favorite. I say ostensibly, written, directed by Mickey Rose, because Michael Ritchie was involved with the movie, and there are rumors that he may have actually been more involved than his Alan Smithy credit says. Anyways, ROTC Mickey Rose. So I saw Mickey Rose's name on I thought, this is going to be awesome. And I always remember this being an episode that I never liked all that much this is richie this is pardon me kind of douche richie this is kind of richie being a jackass uh he will as time goes on as i've said he will this this side of richie will come out big time this one i remembered it being big time in the episode but it's actually not which is nice so what is what is going on so it's a uh, rotc Which is the Royal, no, the Raga, the Ru, the Ra, the Ru, I don't know what it is, the Reserve Officer Training Corps. Uh, Let's see, uh, it's a military regular, I'm online. It's a military regulated high school program whose purpose is to educate high school students in leadership roles while making them aware of the benefits of citizenship. The mission, oh, it's the junior ROTC, is to motivate young people to become better American citizens. That sounds like the Boy Scouts to me because we used to have the Boy Scouts. We had three, what was it, like citizenship of the country, citizenship of the world, citizenship of the universe or something like that. Those were like three badges that you had to get in order to become an Eagle Scout. Guess who didn't become an Eagle Scout and didn't get any of those badges? That would be me. Uh, although I will I will say this, and then I'll get back to Happy Days. Citizenship in I don't that, this isn't what they were called, but there were three. of them. It was like citizenship in the country. I remember trying to get that like three times, and every time you went after a merit badge, they would go to a box and they'd hand you the merit badge book, um, which which I knew there were problems. Like they had a theater merit badge, which involved writing and being creative, and I said I want that. The four or five years I was in Boy Scout, they never got me a copy of the book. Oh, citizenship in the world. Here. Fudge. Get this away from me. I remember when we moved, when my parents moved out of the house that I was in during... Um, middle school and and high school when I was in the Boy Scouts, I remember them contacting me and saying, okay, Dan, should we get rid of this? Should we send you this? Should we keep this? Oh, and we've got three copies of something from the Boy Scouts called Citizenship Around the World or in in the country or something like that. Do you want to keep those? I said, so I tried to do that three times and bombed out each of the three times. Oh, boy. Now, Richie, Ralph, and Potsy are in the ROTC and they're marching around the uh, the uh, gym, the, the the track and field area in their, their high school, Jefferson High and they are making fun of their leader. There are a lot of squads around them marching in perfect time, and it's awesome. A lot of extras in this, a lot of extras. You know, in the background, one of the shots are like girls dancing. I don't know what exactly they're doing, and there are people going by on bikes, so there's a lot of stuff going on. But the foreground, in a lot of sort of high-angle shots, kind of looking down on everyone, and sometimes low-angle looking up at Richie as later on, he's in charge of the ROTC, and you can see like a light... Sort of like you know uh, um, uh, the you know football baseball night lights up in the sky kind of thing, and uh, so so uh, and Richie and the gang are not taking it terribly seriously, and and they're kind of making fun of the guy super nerdlinger who's in charge, uh, the the head of the ROTC whose name I took down but doesn't really matter because Mister Beneke I believe he's played by Hank Ketcham, uh, who you may know best as. Agent 13 from Get Smart. You may also know him as Harvey Schmidlap from the wonderful Kimball Gets Fired episode from Season 2 of Green Acres. Um, seems we have another Schmidlap amongst us. And he's great. You'll know him the moment you see him, but he's kind of this smarmy, doesn't really seem to care, isn't really paying attention kind of uh, guy in charge of the squad. He, he basically fires Nerdlinger, puts Richie in charge. Richie doesn't want to be a leader. His dad, who was a desk sergeant, in uh, World War II, I guess. Um, yes. Oh, um, I'm just looking. At, I got the episode playing here. Look at all those beautiful Milwaukee mountains. Oh, those Milwaukee mountains. I'm sure there are mountains in Milwaukee, but but I didn't realize there were so many mountains in Milwaukee that made me think that they were shooting mash about two miles away from Happy Days. Uh, so, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, so, so his dad says, you have to be nice to your men and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, do what you want. So Richie tries to be nice to them. That doesn't work. Mr. Beneke or Agent 13 says or Javi Schmidlap says well they say that he stormed in Mr. Treffinger's office, yelled, I ain't gonna marry no Lady Carpenter, punched Treffinger in the nose, stormed off and joined the roller derby. I'm sorry, That's a, I think that's a semi quote from Kimball Gets Fired. So, uh, so Richie, yeah it, that isn't working. Mr. Beneke says hey, um, be be mean to them. You have to make them hate you. And so he makes them hate him, and they puts them on report, and they do hate him, and Richie is not happy, and he has a really weird dream, and in the end, everything ends up okay, and Ralph wears a sweet beret and a shirt that says Ralph on it. I always think of Gary from Final Exam, where Gary is sneaking into the um, t- uh, professor's offices to steal... Uh, the t- uh, the answers for the uh, exam they're all taking the next day, and he's got a big shirt that says Gary on it. That's the way you do it: print your name big on your shirt, so they so they don't know who you are. Uh, that's Gary for you, and that's Ralph for you. And this has a lot of Misty Rose character in it. Um, w- Wendy, um, uh, she's got some sweet scenes because she's it's Misty Rose. It's it's like I th- I think only Ralph is the one who's like oh it's for, you look at it, it's like oh my god you know and and the guys don't. Um, <laughs> it's funny because, um, like the Fonz, she brings him uh, a hamburger and a coke, and there isn't enough like ice, and there isn't enough ketchup, and she goes away. Hey, here you go, Mister Fonzarelli, and it's great. We'll, we'll talk about the Fonz uh, briefly here because the Fonz has sort of one main scene, and then he's all over the dream sequence, which is interesting. But I'm sorry, I'm all, I'm am uh, i I'm my mind is scattered uh, today, uh, but I. I'm still talking about the episode, so that's good. Like I said, I remember not being terribly enamored of this episode, but I find it quite charming here because it moves so quickly. It, you know, Richie is being nice to them that lasts a couple scenes. He's being mean to them that lasts a couple scenes. He puts them on report, and the Fonz is like, "What? You put them on report? What are you doing, you fink?" I don't know he calls him a fink in the dream. I think I think it's quite good because part of it. Like, why would you go to the Fonz if you are the head of a squad in the ROTC and try to find out how to lead people? What is if the Fonz is a rebel? He'll never ever be any good. I'm kidding, of course. He's going to be fantastic, and I—I I, I mean, it's—it's it's the Fonz. I mean, like I said, he—he he sits there, sort of uh, like, not enough ice in my coke, too much ketchup on my burger, and Richie is—is—is is, is asking him questions about the ROTC, and it's. I think it's quite a fun episode. It's nice it's nice to see them out in the field. There's something fun about that because a lot of times in these shows you kind of get bogged, o- bogged down in sort of like indoor sets and stuff. Luckily, Happy Days doesn't do that. It it goes out and about. Obviously, Arnold's, you get the parking lot, but it's nice to see you get quite a bit in that field there. And there's there's a great closing sequence where they're marching and sprinklers go off, and which has one of my favorite lines where the squad is sent into the sprinklers and Richie kind of is running into it. And then you see Richie later on and his mom, he's soaking wet and his mom's toweling off his hair and says something like, that was so brave when you went in there and jumped on that sprinkler you saved the lives of so many boys that day or something like that it's it's quite charming i think the episode is is really nicely done jerry paris i I like his shots in the field and and he handles the dream sequence which we'll talk about in a moment very nicely i like um i I like the way he he shoots this this one i mean even more so than Regular, he seems to ignore the wall, the 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 fourth wall, well, the wall that we actually see. The fourth wall is the wall you don't see, the the fourth wall of of the of the of the diner because there, there's a moment, it, like right at the end, where uh, Potsy has been named the new head of the ROTC squad. Ralph and Richie storm out, but they've just been handed like banana splits, like thirty seconds before that, so they leave their ice cream. Patsy sits down and starts eating and the camera kind of like kind of cranes up slightly away from Patsy and I thought I like that because that fits the uh, what we were seeing out in the field where the camera was slightly higher uh, where the camera was looking down so this is kind of like the camera suddenly goes from the, um, the you know the ground where it normally is and kind of swoops up a bit not too high because they're in the studio but it swoops up a bit but again in swooping up a bit you're like that There's supposed to be a wall there. Please, please pretend like there's a wall there. And it doesn't. I mean, if you're going to... It's funny. I, I my, my, The book that I'm writing, which we're going to the publisher soon, I'm near the end of the final re-revision of it, my Henningverse book. I, I didn't realize it at the end of the... F- Fifth season of the Henningverse, which is sixty-six, sixty-seven. Season five of Hillbillies, four of Junction, two of Acres. There's an episode. I think it's with Flat and Scruggs and DeLovely. Uh, uh, is um, oh, geez, I think it's Flat's wife. Where they're having like a hoedown in the front room where the staircase is, and you get this overhead shot of everyone kind of dancing and having a great time. But then if you look in and in, in, in the in the lower portion of the screen you could see like the the i think it's a tiled floor end and you see like green carpet it's like um that's the edge of the set there there that that's like the middle of the house there should be a wall right there and then there's another huge room beyond that we shouldn't be seeing that green carpet that's kind of in my mind the only time i could think of that the hillbillies did that i mean like i said happy days does it all the time green acres Around that same week has an episode called the Vulgar Ring Story, The Lovely and Scruggs, I think is the name of uh, that episode, uh, The Hillbillies. Uh, but there's an episode, The Vulgar Ring Story, where Lisa is telling the story about that huge ring she has on her finger, and they tell him in the kitchen to ebb. and then when it cuts to the end of the first act in the commercial, like Sam and Hank are there, and then it cuts back at the end of the second act and like Mr. Kim, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Haney and a couple other people are there. And then when it cuts back at the end of the episode, you see there are like fifteen or twenty people, most of whom we don't know, are sitting in the kitchen, but the camera is so far back that it's clearly like we should be in the yard. It's it's they're sitting too they're sitting into the studio off the set, but it doesn't matter because it's such a funny joke. Does it matter in, in Happy Days? Eh, probably not, but that's why I'm here. So yeah, so I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty fun episode. There are a lot of great bits. Uh, the, the, I mean, the the bits were there. You know, they they make fun of Richie and they make fun of the first guy. They do let's do, do the uh, Toulouse Lautrec routine. All right, forward march, and they all fall to their knees and march like they're really short. And then present arms. They throw all their fake guns over their shoulder and put out their arms. And then at one point, Richie turns around and says, "Okay, I'm going to give you guys three seconds to get back into shape or whatever." And they all run away. My boys kept running away. Mr. C puts up a hammock at one point Mrs. C is kind of making fun of his weight and then he falls off the hammock and, and there you go Mr. C does a great Humphrey Bogart impersonation which Mrs. C really goes crazy for um, I get the, the interesting thing with the ROTC it, it is one of those this, this is a fun episode but um, it's more fun for these sort of exterior things the way the guys are willing to make fun of one another and pick on one another um, seeing Wendy with her the food, uh, seeing the Fonz kind of sort of ruling the roost where he's sitting and like watch him dance with the gal in the final scene. He's really close with her and then he kind of like dips her to say something to Richie and the look on her face is like, <gasps> and she's just like, she got the vapors and it all went, whew, you know what I mean? And the, and he says, I'm like, come on, baby, let's go, you know, let's go, let's go here or something like that. He says, of course, you can't go in. I, I forget what the exact wording is, but they walk off screen he's going to the restroom and he's taking her with him but she has to stand outside and so and the fact that the Fonz is such a major character in the dream sequence he's the first person we see as Richie is falling asleep going left right left right it cuts to the Fonz sitting on like they're in a courtroom and he's sitting on, like, the one of the one of the tables where, like, the prosecution, you know, puts their stuff. And he's, like, spinning around with these huge boots on. And then the MPs come in carrying Richie, and they lower him. And the Fonz is the judge. And later on, Joni's the judge. And there's a great joke. There's a great... I, I, I love this. Uh, I love this so much. Um, Joni wants to stay up to see you bet your life. Mrs. C thinks... Groucho's a little too racy. She wants to see the secret word she's sent to bed. That happens a lot. In the dream sequence, they... um, They interview, they they interrogate, they question Mr. C, who's got a huge newspaper, and he's like, I always have to have a heart-to-heart talk with him. I always have to solve all of his problems, which is a great bit of meta stuff because that's what dads, back in the, like the 70s, would show, like, Father's Best, uh, you know, that was the point, that it was the dad and you, and you had, or like, it was dads who solved the problems, and then eventually, yeah, it shows like Leave it to Beaver and such that were more about the kids than the parents, but the dads still sort of, like, would, like, sit down and solve a lot of the problems. And this one, you actually have a dad in the... Well, it's in the dream that Mr. C is, is, although at the, although at the end of it, um, Mr. C does have a great moment. Yeah. Where he says, um, um, uh, foul ups will inherit the earth. No, no, that's not it. Um, uh, oh, oh, we're, we're at the very end. Mr. C and Richie are kind of talking about what Richie should do. And, you know, Richie's going to quit and it's okay. Don't worry. You know, we, we need leaders. We need followers. We need the rebels. We need everything and they're kind of walking up the steps together and it's funny because it's weird because they seem to really be presenting the Mr. C has a heart to heart with Richie as like this is a trope we do and we're kind of making fun of it but we're also doing it all we're doing it at the same time which which is which is i uh, interesting i think and uh, and as they're walking up the steps, sort of going off into the distance of the set, Mr. C says something like, "You know, isn't it? Uh, I, I wish I'd written down the exact." I'm sorry, I, I I made the mistake of 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 writing all my notes on two pages of my notebook. But they're not like one, two. It's like one, flip it, two. It's something like, "Don't you ever get tired of me solving all your problems?" Or or Richie, I think, says, "Dad, don't you get tired? Ever get tired of solving all my problems?" Which which of course is interesting because um. At the end of the day, he technically he, he gave him a little heart to heart in the end. But at the end, Richie had already quit, and it was just like telling Richie that it was okay to do that because Richie doesn't want to be the leader. He says that when Mister, when Agent Thirteen says you you're in charge, he's like I'm not interested. And you know what? I wouldn't have been interested either. They seem to be doing it to get some sort of credit, and it's implied that if they get re- on, put on report, which Richie almost does to them, which pisses off the Fonz, which causes the bad dream. Then I, I guess it's a nightmare. It's super fun. Uh, You know, it'll be if they go into port, they have to march in summer school. And, yeah, the dream is great because it's like the Fonz is sort of like the prosecuting attorney. And Richie keeps trying to say stuff. But, uh, like I said, Joni is the judge at one point. Fonzie's the judge. And he just kind of looks at the camera at one point and goes just, hey. And then one of my favorite moments at the end is Richie's about to be sort of sentenced. You see the Fonz sort of sitting on... Like the jury uh, the jury stand, he's kind of like on the railing, and he goes, hey, and falls off the railing, which I thought was hilarious. I don't know, are we meant to read this? I mean, obviously the Fonz is a big part of his life, so seeing the Fonz in this is um, is because the Fonz, he went to the Fonz for advice. He went to his dad for advice, and it didn't work. And Mr. Bennett, uh, age of 13 there, Schmidlap, gave him advice, which he hates. And the Fonz sort of was like, no, man, you, you can't put them on report. It's great. You're, you're in charge of the ROTC. It's great, but you don't put them on report. You don't do that to your friends, man. You don't think. And I like that the Fonz is kind of the major character in here. And then he has a worry that his dad is maybe giving him too many heart-to-heart talks. And then he also has a worry that Joni, like, thinks he's kind of like... um uh, I forget exactly what it is that Joni uh, says, but she's not... she She's... um. Oh, what is it? She says. Um, oh, yes, he's he's a tease and he's bossy, which I guess is okay. Maybe Chuck could add something too if Chuck were in this episode. Chuck alert, no Chuck. So he and um, but but Joni gets one of my favorite moments where it suddenly cuts to her and she's the judge, and um a uh and all of a sudden as she uh, she says whatever it is she says and then all of a sudden the duck from uh, you bet your life. Um. Uh, drops right next to her head, and the word of the day is Richie. And then I believe you see Richie real quick, and it cuts back to Joni, and she has the Groucho Marx glasses and fake mustache and nose on, and she's got a big fake cigar, and she says like, "That's the dirtiest void I ever heard," which is really nice. Uh, um, you bet your life is on to sixty one, so we can't really use that to judge. It's like forty eight or something to sixty one. I forget exactly when I, it was on for quite. Some 40, it was. Jeez, I'm not sure when it was on the TV. I think like 50 or so to 61. It was on for ages, and then it was on the radio before that. And um, it's a joy. If you've never heard or seen you bet your life you should watch it. Groucho is a hoot. And uh, so, yeah, the dream sequence is interesting because at the end of it, after Mr. C is gone, after Joni is gone, and you see Ralph and Potsy like, he makes us do this, da-da-da, left, right, he makes us act like puppets, and then you see Richie above him, like like a marionette, like, and uh, and Ralph and Potsy are like marionettes, left, right, left, right, and then it all ends with guilty, and they spray Richie in the face with whipped cream, and a lot of great, strange, wide-angle, weird-angled shots, and it's, it's a fun dream, because... Just because of the placement, I think of all the care. I mean, like Ralph and Patsy are pretty straightforward, but sort of the prominence of the Fonz prefigures the prominence of the Fonz in the show. And Mr. C is great in it, and Joni is cool in it too. It's odd. Mrs. C comes in the end, but she's not really in it much, which which is is interesting. I wonder why that is. I'm no psychologist. I'm just some jackass talking incessantly about a television show. So this is this is actually an episode where. ROTC is the name ROTC is technically what it's about but it's really about Richie trying to see if he's a leader and seeing how to lead and I think at the end of the day and it's funny too I, I will say one more thing Mr. C is in his desk sergeant uniform after he lowers his newspaper stands up and says Richie put me on report uh, and I have to uh, march in the hot sun all summer, which of course is your, you know, his his memory of the day. They have to march in the hot sun all summer if you put them on report. I, I like that it's Richie. Richie, um, is he a leader? Isn't he a leader? Uh, the the answer seems to be no. He isn't a leader, and I don't think. I, I mean, leaders are great. Um, uh, most leaders get on my nerves. I don't consider myself a leader. I don't consider myself a follower. Um, I'm not sitting here doing a Happy Days podcast for nothing um, because I, I'm either of those things. I, I try to do what I love doing, and and everything else is is sort of what I have to do and um, to 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 survive, to be able to eat and to be able to live. And um, some of those things haven't been good or nice, but. I I am here. And I'm talking to you about ROTC. Like I said, an episode that I was not looking forward to. I don't know if I should trust Mickey... Ro- say, I, I don't know if I should have just said, trust Mickey Rose. Because um, I don't know a lot of his stuff. I mean, I know he wrote a lot of stuff for years. But it's it's one of those names. Where, oh, Mickey Rose, this is going to be great. And then I remember kind of going off it. I, I think it's the sort of shenanigans they do when they're on the ROTC thing, which are very like... They're very like um, Prince Albert in a can kind of thing, where it's like, oh, this is what you would do. Whereas the rest of the episode, I think, is much smarter and sharper than that. So, um, oh, create is a create story consultant, Bob Brunner and Bill Idelson. I would say, watch this space for Bill Idleson because I will talk more about him. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, I will talk more about him later, but I will just say that one of my all-time favorite shows in any medium and this would be specifically me talking old-time radio um, for most of its run starred Bill Idelson was one of the the three to four main characters of the show Uh, so seeing his name on that around this time I think about a year before he was a writer and like a story consultant or something on Bob Newhart's show for a season now he's on Happy Days so that's fun that's another name that I trust. You gotta, it, it's you know it's it. You see some names, like Bob Brunner, I recognize that name. I don't know if I trust that name. Bill Idelson, Mickey Rose. I should trust those names because they're 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 folks who have done stuff that I like. the o- The only other thing I have is is the cool communication, where the Fonz is talking to Richie, and Wendy. It is Wendy, right? Mr. Rose character, I believe, uh, comes over with the stuff, and he's like, you know, like watch and uh, he's like what and she's like um here you go mr fonzarelli is everything okay and he looks at it and she goes oh no what and he goes a and she looks at him and says what's a he's a oh there isn't enough ice and there isn't enough there's too much ketchup and then she goes away and comes back and he's he's like that's cool community that's cc cool communication and he said, "But, but you, you know, I, I can communicate through to her by being cool." Well, you said a, and he said, "Well, that's my thing. I say a, you know, and I like that that he has his thing already." Ah, it's funny. I sort of like like these things with like the the thing with like Joni go to bed and uh, Mr. Sue and the, the talks and and the Fonz and his um, stuff. I I like the fact that they're here so quickly. I mean, we are what like twenty two episodes into the two hundred and fifty, and like these things are already here, and I like that it's to me that's a self assured show that's a show that doesn't maybe while they're making this doesn't quite realize that the um the ratings are going down because of the scheduling and I will wrap up r o t c here with two things a hey, and the the funs fun off the um um the uh the thing uh R- Richie is the judge at one point and Richie does a an impersonation of someone as he's on the witness stand and juggling that i george raft i don't know who that is who who is he doing an impersonation of wendy i will say this i forgot that wendy is in the dream so wendy gets a scene at the beginning wendy gets a bit at the end And Wendy is in the dream, and she also sprays the whipped cream, which also gets all over the camera at one point at Richie. And I do like that Misty Rowe looks at Tom Bosley like, "Should we spray now?" And he kind of like, apparently, he's in charge of that. It's 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 the dream is really fascinating. I could probably talk for another half hour just about the dream, and every every single shot means something. But I'm not going to do that to you I wish I knew what he I I feel like Richie he's like juggling something and he's a so sweaty and he's telling I feel like he's doing he's doing he's doing someone that I should know and it's the. I'm not quite getting if you're listening to this and you know who he's doing impersonation of um Mr. C did Humphrey Bogart earlier but this ain't Humphrey Bogart as far as I know is it I don't uh, I you know I'm not as conversant in the works of Humphrey Bogart as I should be Um, But uh, I just feel like he's doing something there. I'm not sure what. Anyway, let us hop to Haunted. And Haunted, like I said, is October uh, 29th, 1974. That would have been my second Halloween. Wow. I wonder if they dressed me up as anything. That was a good time, though. 74 to be... um, uh, Well, you know, it was a good-ish time, I guess. Um, I don't know. Folks were dressing up as Pierre Delay from... um 2001. I don't know how were how were folks dressing up in 75. I was going to say it's before Star Wars, it's before Incredible Hulk, it's before Star Trek returned. Um, uh, you know, it's before Doctor Who properly showed up in America, so no one's walking around a long scarf. Uh, although this would have been when the 13th season of Doctor Who was airing, that begins with Terror of the Zygons and ends with the Seeds of Doom, which is a hell of a season. But anyway, haunted. I heard strange noises coming from a house on the hill. So I crept up to the window and looked over the sill. My heart almost stopped, I nearly died of fright. By the dim candlelight I saw the strangest sight. There was Frankenstein and Dracula and Wolfman too. Dancing with some zombies, what a ghastly crew. The old vampire was doing the bomb. Haunted. I gave you the date already. Uh, directed by Gary Marshall, for heaven's sakes. What? I don't think you see that all that often. Like the producer sort of... Although, having said that... Oh, no, this is... When is this? this is 74? Yes, earlier this year in 74. Is this right? Yes, this is... no Yes, this is right. Um. Uh, season 11 of Doctor Who was on. The final John Pertwee season, the third season, and the final story of the season, the six-part uh, Planet of the Spiders, which was 6.25 in episodes, was produced... Sorry, I just knocked my notebook. Was produced, co-written, and directed by the same person, Barry Letts. So that is... May rest in peace, and may Gary Marshall rest in peace also. Um... But yeah, that that I I guess having said that, I'm completely wrong. That that does happen. And Barry Letts also directed several other uh, Doctor Who's, not counting Enemy of the World, but Terror of the Autons and, and Carnival of Monsters. So yeah, yeah, that happens. But 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 when you see like, you know, created by Gary Marshall, he's a producer, and you see he directed it. Written by David Ketchum and Bruce Shelley. David Ketchum, of course, is Dave Ketchum, Agent Thirteen, who we saw in the previous. Um, episode as Benneke, Br- 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 Mr. Ben- the-, the ROTC guy, um, Harvey Schmidlap, and he's a joy. Uh, and this episode is haunted. It's the first of the holiday episodes of the show, and it would have a lot. There's going to be at least one more Halloween, there will be a Thanksgiving, and there will be four Christmas episodes? I think it's four Christmas episodes and one Christmas adjacent episode. And there's probably a new year's episode or something like that. Uh, just the nature of the show being like, uh, that it's meant to be nostalgic and not, um, uh, of the time specifically that's airing in hitting the, uh, holiday hot points and, and things like that is, is fun and this is one of those shows that I love American style when they do the what is love American style I, I in the current climate of America I hesitate to to think what love American style might involve and I, I um, I'm gonna move on but this episode Halloween is approaching Ralph apparently throws a Halloween party every year Although if he's like a junior in high school, how long has he been throwing this Halloween party? They make it, they make it sound like they've been stuck. Like I don't, because I don't think they're seniors. Uh, I have to look up when they graduate because, like I've mentioned before, there is a specific graduation episode, but it's not at least until season four. And and I, I can't imagine like if this is October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Jo- I mean, I can't imagine like the next two and a half seasons cover eight months fact, I don't think they can cover eight months because I think we have another Christmas episode in there. So, uh, Joni gets a lot more to do in this episode. Love Joni. I, I, I've i said before, at the end of the series, the two characters that get the most development are the Fonz, but he, he gets development in that he goes from being this dropout high school guy to all kinds of things that he's doing at the end of the series. Joni oh, we can talk about this later. This shouldn't be talked about. It. I was just going to say, Joni, the thing is like Erin Moran is how old when the show begins? 11, 12, whatever. And so she's in her early 20s when the show ends. So it's sort of like everyone else has grown up. So you can you can look at everyone else and go like, okay, Mrs. C looks a little older. Mrs. C looks a little older. Potsy looks a little older. So does the Fonz. But Joni clearly goes from being a little girl to... Twirling in that cheerleader outfit to singing on Joni Loves Chachi to being a teacher at the end of the series and marrying Chachi. So, there's that, whether you like it or not, hers is a through line to follow. And this is one of the first big Joni episodes. She's not majorly featured in it. No, she is majorly featured. She's not part of the main plot line, which I will get to now because I went off on another tangent. I'm trying to control myself on tangents for this one because it's Halloween related, and I want to talk about Halloween. But I don't want to make this more than... geez, Louise! I talk more about ROTC than I thought I was. I'm trying. No, the haunt, the Halloween episode shouldn't um, haunted. That's a fun movie. So is Haunts, and so is The Haunting, the original. I can't vouch for the remake. So plot. Sorry. What Ralph is throwing his, his Halloween party, annual Halloween party, and he's throwing at the Simpsons house to try to keep the demons out because Bag and the demons, you remember them from the last season, always break into his parties. So they're going to the Simpsons house, which is a notorious haunted house in the area richie is scared of it because like people there's stories i i forget like um uh, phyllis bauer or something Joni's friend says yeah a bunch of people went there and they got their heads cut off and and richie's worried he doesn't want to go and and Joni thinks he's a wimp and a chicken and is laughing at him and and even the Fonz is like whoa i can't go there and but they're going to do it and they're going to have the party there and um Richie's dressed as a skeleton and he's taken Gloria. Yay, Linda Pearl is back. She's dressed as kinda of like a harem girl. Yeah. She looks very good. And uh, they're going to have a party, but they're all a little scared that something scary is going to happen. It may, or it might not. Um, Mr. C knows of the Simpson house, and but he's the trick or treat guy. As uh, Mrs. C takes Joni and her friends out, one of her friends has a pumpkin head on. As she not not pumpkin head, like from the movie, like a pumpkin on her head. Another one is a witch, and Joni is a werewolf, which is interesting. So, uh, and that's basically the plot line is going. To, it, It's actually, when I actually discuss it, there isn't much of a plot line to it. It's simply Halloween. And that's one of the joys of holiday episodes. So I'm going to try to, now remind me, I have to discuss the you got me wet scene. And I know what you're thinking. Dan, don't be such a douche. The you got me wet scene I'm referring to is when the Fonz and Richie are in Arnold's And uh, the Fonz is kind of defacing all the Halloween decorations, and someone throws a water balloon, it hits Richie, gets on Fonz, and says something like, Yeah, you got me wet! As he stares off into the distance. It's Gary Marshall directing, so the fact that um, it's kind of a lame throw, um, but we will discuss that in a moment. I I just I just want to bring up Joni uh, real quick. Well, Joni's wonderful in this and she's a she's a card and and she says, yeah, Phil's Bauer or whatever her friend's name is, that everyone got decapitated and she's terrified to go in the Simpson's house and she keeps kind of covering her head and then she runs out of the house. But then she she her Halloween costume is a werewolf and the look of absolute glee on her face when Richie is watching a scary movie in the middle of the night and somehow With her werewolf arms, she gets behind Richie in like an armchair and scares him is a joy. And it's like Joni up to this point appears in a scene or two. She says some wisecrack stuff and then she's away. As I mentioned earlier, Joni I think is going to be sort of the fulcrum that the the show moves upon as it goes. Regardless of where it's going. I believe in my heart that that is true. As m- as much as I love the Fonz, I th- I think the Fonz is... The, the Fonz becomes the most popular character, but when you get to the end, he is secondary, I think, to Joni. But this is sort of the first sort of point where Joni really kind of... is awesome. Is so awesome. And-, and she's just... Her scene with Richie and the house and the werewolf arms, and then she goes out trick-or-treating, and then she has a final scene where they're all looking at her candy... And they discuss, like, don't eat any unwrapped candy because there are crazy people out there. And I, it's funny, I, I remember when I first started trick-or-treating, probably when I was a baby or something in the mid-70s, I don't remember that. But after sort of Halloween in 70 I'm not saying Halloween had anything to do with it, but, but I remember, like, in the late 70s, early 80s, that was a thing. Like, if someone put something in there that wasn't wrapped, you tossed it. And of course, Halloween two at the the scene with the kid and the hospital, and you just watch that. And you go, really? That's crazy. But but I never encountered any of that. I don't think we ever encountered anything anyone putting anything into our um, candy. Mister um, uh, C, they do hand out apples at the Cunningham's home, which um, I, I I don't know how easy it was, circa fifty seven ish, to to get. Uh, these um, to get like wrapped I imagine it was fairly easy and, and they probably should have done that but I think I think they probably dropped in apples because you wanted something to be healthy but then ass heads started putting razor blades in that crap and, and it just went to heck and Mr. C is distributing the candy. I distributed the candy for several seasons when I was a kid, several years when I was a kid. And, and we've, in the house we're in right now, for the past, like, 10 years, every Halloween, we eagerly await the kids. And I always make sure to open up the candy, take a bite out of it, and say, here you go. Enjoy. I'm kidding, of course. That's a pile of bull crap. I don't, we, we, we try to be good. You, you give nicely wrapped things to everybody. And Halloween is is a joy in this episode is a joy i think i think it's beautifully written i think there are a lot of great lines in it um i it's lovely to see gloria linda pearl back uh the the, the actual sort of party in the simpson house i don't know how the hell they got in there i'm part of my french but but how do they get how do you just just get into like a band i mean this is, is this is like a killer party you know it's like yeah we're going and we're having the party in here you know wouldn't wouldn't folks know i mean there's all this stuff going on or Hasn't anyone done this before? or I don't know. Uh, I do like uh, one of the things I will just say just because it's on the screen right now. Mr. C has given out candy to a kid dressed as a cowboy. And you can see when you look through the front door, you can see like all the way back through the dining room to the kitchen door in the back. But you can also see like the swinging uh, the swing, um, thing, the swinging uh, thing on the porch, um, which is cool. And, uh, yeah, Mr. C doesn't do so great giving kids the, um, uh, the, yeah, one, one, I, well, he, I don't know, maybe it was a 50 thing, like, when the, when the, the cowboy comes up, Mr. C says, how about a kiss, and the little boy just like, and takes off, but when the little girl comes up dressed as the fairy princess, and he throws the apple in her bag and breaks her cookie, she takes off, and, um, I don't fully understand that, but then, you know, I'm, I, you know, I I never did that. The couple of years when I was a kid, uh, in like 9th and 10th grade night, I handed out um, uh, candy. All of my family was out trick-or-treating except for me. So I was home alone, giving out the candy. And I actually had Halloween playing on a TV really loud. This would have been 87, 88. Wait a minute. 87, 88, 88, 89. And I'd Halloween playing the TV really loud and just scaring all the kids. So Mr. C is in charge of that. And Mrs. C goes out with Joni and them. And we, we can sort of, I, I realized the, sh- is it the, what is it called? The Shock Theater um, package. Screen Gems released it to TV. Or Columbia released it to, someone released it to TV in October of 57. 52 pre 1948 classic horror films from Universal. For television syndication, I think Zachary uh, did a lot of hosting there. And the the thing about that is that um, Joni is a werewolf. circa fifty seven ish. The movie The Werewolf came out, which is really very good. But I don't think in any way, shape, or form the werewolf would have inspired kids to dresses werewolves. Also she has a werewolf like costume, like hands and, and a mask and things. Which implies that werewolves are were big. And I don't think like Abigail meet Frankenstein was forty eight. And then there wasn't any werewolf action apart from the werewolf, which again wasn't a huge movie, which is fifty seven or so. So I'd like to think Yeah, we're either in fifty seven or fifty eight. Like maybe the shock package came out shot it uh, came out at the beginning of october and they and she saw the wolfman or one of the maybe frankenstein meets the wolfman even at some point in october and she was like i need to be the wolf man now the werewolf right now because being a werewolf prior to that i don't think would be something you'll be able to get a costume of you know um and it's it's not so like Mrs C made the werewolf costume. No, she buys it. So so there you go. So so I guess we could say fifty seven. I guess we could say fifty eight. Um, what else have A lot. Have, there's a lot going on in this episode. Richie being scared and and Joni. Uh, and they go in the Simpson house to kind of look around and Richie gets scared and Joni runs out and Joni makes chicken noises at Richie. And Mr. C says, yeah, I, that was a scary thing when I was a kid. Uh, you know, and Richie's like, Oh, that long ago. Ho ho! and you know, uh, the Fawn shows up at the Halloween party and it's great because he has a Lone Ranger style mask on that, He's dresses himself. He has a gal with him who's kind of dressed as Tonto slash Pocahontas, and um, she's in kind of a short skirt and seems quite amused by everything that's happening. And she uh, she's gorgeous. And the fu- the fun thing with the Fonz is that the Fonz is like a Lone Ranger mask on, but as I said, the rest of him is dressed as the way he normally dresses. But if you know the show, you know that there will be an episode much later on that references the Lone Ranger. I'm not going to say what it is right now. So that's kind of like a nice bit of foreshadowing, or maybe like the writers in the future kind of looked at this episode and like, Oh, the Fonz likes the Lone Ranger. We'll go from there. So there are a lot of great bits. I mean, a lot of funny moments. Uh, Mr. C and Richie talking are great. Joni is wonderful. Mrs. C has some fun moments. Um, uh, the Fonz kind of saying goodbye to the party and just saying goodbye to Richie. Like, uh, he's in his skeleton outfit and he says like to Richie, like, Hey bones, you need to put on some weight, but, and then he begins to say some other stuff and there's some nice asides and it's funny. And you know, it, it isn't one of those where, um, Richie gets a lot of, it's, it's fun because Richie in the previous episode, there's like ROTC. It was like, dad, don't you get tired of solving my problems all the time? But this one, You know Richie, like his dad is like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. It's a scary place, but you'll be fine. There's nothing there, and there is nothing there. They get a bit scared here and there, but when you're dancing with Linda Pearl dressed as a harem girl, I don't know what else you could be scared of. Now, granted, Ralph Malph is dressed as Alfred Hitchcock, which is fun, and uh, okay, Uh, ROTC. Apart from do up, do up, do up, do up, wah. No music helps. This episode, I was hoping there would be some music that helped date it. Uh, the Wolfman thing, I think, dates it to either fifty-seven or fifty-eight. But but th- this was such a great time. The end of the fifties, first half of the sixties, was such a great time for like monster music, or 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 spooky music, novelty music, uh, even sci-fi stuff. And I I won't go into all the music I know and love from from that. I would, I would enjoy doing that, I'm not going to. But, I mean, like, Monster Mash wasn't for a few years. But I was hoping that at some point or other, you would hear um, uh, some of that music. You'd hear something. Uh, um, Nightmare Mash? Uh, not, not not Monster Mash, but just one of the songs. A doo-wop song, a, a rockabilly song, something. Uh, but you don't, which is too bad. And, because and, um, when everyone is dancing, it's all pretty generic Eh, what are you gonna do so what, what else happens in the episode we get a couple of headless bodies which is fun it's very um you know opening a closet door and seeing a headless body rocking on a chair and then falling forward could have been from several horror movies of this time the the music like i said the music is generic apart from the moments when there are synths like when ralph is in his coffin and there are a couple other moments i think When the the headless body comes down the steps, I won't ruin it. Um, I I, there are some synths in there, which is fun because this is the time seventy four and such uh, when synths were their own separate. Where like synths was like I am playing a synth to sound like a piano or an organ or a uh, you know, um, geez, a harpsichord. You know, back then, like, at that time, synths sounded like synths. You know, that kind of crazy stuff. You know, Bob O'Reilly or the soundtrack for The Redeemer, The Child, something like that. You know, synths sounded like synths, and that's what they use here. And it's awesome. It's inappropriate for the time period it's supposed to be set in. But it's awesome. So what else is going on here? I do love Gary Marshall at the end of the dance. At the end of the dance sequence, I won't ruin what happens at the end of the dance sequence. Uh, uh, but you see, a kind of a long shot of everybody dancing, and then superimposed on that, or sort of mixed dissolved into that, is a shot of a jack-o'-lantern, lit up jack-o'-lantern, sort of overlaid across the top of it, which is pretty cool. So that's kind of a lovely ending, and then it goes into the final sequence where they're all mulling over Joni's uh, candy and the things that aren't open, the things that are, and stuff like that. And it all ends with Mister C um, delivering, uh, saying a riddle whose 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 um, punchline is a Halloweeny. So you can go from there. And yeah, it's it's a super fun. I mean, here's the thing: I could talk about this episode for ages. I think it's so much fun. Uh, the the uh, it's it's a holiday episode, so you, uh, I I would hope that if you celebrate Halloween, if you're in a place where you're listening right now and you celebrate Halloween, you would recognize portions of what they're doing and what's happening. And it's just it's just so much fun to watch. And Joni got a lot of apples. I see at least four apples in her bag. It's funny. It's it's weird because they're like uh, Mrs. C says we'll be gone for an hour. But the amount of stuff she has, I don't know, it looks to me like more than an hour's worth of stuff. So, let's see, what do we have? Yeah, Ralph throws these parties, and I don't, like I said, again, I don't know how long he's been throwing these parties, and Gloria's back. Hooray! I do like Gloria quite a bit. Um, She's a charmer, and Linda Pearl is just gorgeous. Uh, Cutest, I'll get out, and... um, I love the scene where the two of them go into the house and creepy things are happening. And Richie's like, maybe everyone's, you know, maybe we're really early. And then he pauses and says, but Ralph's car is outside. Hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. I, I think this is a super fun episode. I don't know. I, I don't know with holiday episodes whether those are the best spots to go to to uh, start watching something. This is a fun episode, and you get a lot of the family in it. Chuck alert. No Chuck. No Chuck at all. Which is disappointing. The rest of the episode is a joy. And before I wrap it up, I would like to just talk about the You Got Me Wet sequence. So we see, so so we know the way that the Arnold's works. So let's go the north. So we got, no, let's look at the walls. The north wall is the wall where everyone enters and where the kitchen is. The east wall is the one with the restrooms, and I like the jukebox. The south wall is the fourth wall, the one where the camera is. The never, each, right red of we, the west wall is the wall that we sometimes see that has like three booths on it. Uh, and one of those booths, like the third booth, was the one where the, the big guy... Like saw the gal after everyone left in the previous episode where they were drag racing in the previous season the episode where they were drag racing, and he gets up there and he starts dancing with everyone with with everyone everyone leaves and he big guy gets up and dances with the gal in that sweet sort of scene, and so it's like so so you get the booths along the south wall which go to the corner ish and you get the booths along the west wall which should go to the corner ish but I always sort of looked at it as like one of the booths the booths don't go to the corner there's kind of like a spot and there's like a little square like right in the corner that's all I can figure out from the way things are set up maybe one of the booths should go but that would mean like a seat would might be blocked or something like that uh, so so it's kind of like the west wall the booths go from the the north to pff, a little square in the corner, and the south wall. They go from the east to this little square in the corner. So Richie and the Fonz are sitting in the booth that is nearest to that corner, in the southwest corner of Arnold's, and they're talking and talking. And then all of a sudden, a water balloon, kind of a slightly weakly thrown water balloon, comes from that corner, hits Richie. And the Fonz points there and says, You got me all wet! So we've said many times, like Jerry Paris doesn't seem to care where that delineation of the sets are and the walls. Gary Marshall, who does a beautiful job directing this episode, the cold-cut coffin, the overlay of the jack-o'-lantern, some of the moments in the house when things are getting scary, they're all done nicely, very nicely. If the wall is in that corner, that implies that someone... And at the end of the episode, it, it might be Bag. You remember Bag Zembrowski, is it? Uh, Bag from the Demons? He shows up at the beginning of the episode and he bothers Marsha, because uh, cause Arnold has a thing where he has everyone come and decorate Arnold's, but they also like chalk over a lot of things and throw water balloons and junk, and they just get Marsha crazy, and and she Bag insults her, and she insults Bag. But um, it's kind of implied at the end that Bag through that water balloon. So that means that as Richie and Fonzie were sitting there, Richie's talking to the Fonz about being scared, and the Fonz is kind of like drawing ink eyes over all the skeletons and pumpkins hanging around. As they're sitting there, like six feet away from that corner, Bag gets into that corner, turns, pulls out a water balloon, and throws it at them. And they don't see it until the balloon hits them. And when the Fonz points, he seems to be pointing much farther along, further along than like a few feet away. So even Gary Marshall at this point seems to be saying, Oh no, there's no wall there. It goes on forever. I don't know that that's true. But it is funny that they do that joke. And that joke kind of ruins the proscenium the uh, the, uh, the 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 um, the fourth wall of everything, because there's no way anyone could be in that space without the two of them seeing them, and if it's Bag, they're gonna be like, "What are you doing there, man? What what are you doing?" And and when he throws the balloon, it's, "What? Come on, get out of my house." So that's a weird scene, which no one probably thought of this heavily until I'm talking about it right now. So I'm going to stop. Haunted is awesome. ROTC is awesome. I love both of these episodes. The the second season is really kicking along. Rocking all week with you. Thank you for listening. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm on the Eventually Super Train SoundCloud at eSuperTrain1, Eventually Super Train on, on Facebook. That That's mainly where I go. Those are short-lived TV shows. This is obviously a super long-lived TV show. But super fun. And I'm just looking at Linda Pearl in her Harem Girl outfit and just Oh my goodness. And um yeah. So so yeah, thank you so much everyone for listening. And I'm just gonna wrap this up. This episode's gonna a little longer than the other ones because I had more to say, I guess. It's Halloween. I wanted to talk for about another 15 minutes about Halloween. I'm gonna stop right now. Listen to this. Monday,
1: Monday, happy days. Monday, day,
0: Monday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days, the weekend comes, my cycle hums, ready to race to you. These days are out, happy and free. These days are out, share them with me, to gray sky.